So we're going to do something a little different. The next seven weeks, we're going to be in just one chapter of the Bible. And so we thought, because that's different, we're going to start our sermons a little different over the coming weeks. And so I've asked my friend Mara to read our text with us uh, so that we hear it a little differently from another voice. But also, I'm going to ask all of you to do something that churches throughout history have done, which is to stand for the reading of Scripture so that we listen to it with a different posture this morning. So would you stand? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Thank you, Mara. You may be seated. Uh, If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's page 1609. And uh, I would encourage you to follow along in your Bible, to bring your own Bibles, to make notes, um, just to really dig into this text together over the coming weeks. I mean, one of the things that um, I just believe is true is that Scripture says something about us and about God and about God's love for us that nothing clever I can say will stick the same way the words of God in Scripture will. And so I encourage you to bring your Bibles to follow along as we uh, study Romans together. Um, I, have a, I have a friend who is an engineer at a large firm, and he tells me that every Friday he thinks he's going to be fired. Every Friday he goes to work thinking he might be fired today. And here's why. Because he never gets any feedback, positive or negative, about the job he's doing. No one ever, by the way, the free advice, if you manage people, that's bad practice. Uh, <laughs> He says once a year, he gets an annual review. They tell him he's doing a good job. He might get a bonus or a raise or a pat on the back, but he never gets regular feedback. He gets projects, assignments. He does them. He submits them. No one says anything. He just keeps going on. And so every Friday, he's like, maybe I'm doing terrible, and today is the day I'm going to get fired. And so he's constantly carrying the burden of, I've got to make sure I do better or am better. And, and that's, I think that's a burden that many of us carry in all kinds of ways, like that worry, that worry of condemnation, that worry of failure, that worry of I've got to make myself better, I've got to do better, I've got to be better. 
And so for some of us, some of us it is work. For some of us, it's school. Uh, for some of us, we worry that we've got to do better or we're going to lose our marriage. We worry that we've got to be better or we're not going to make that team or get accepted to that school. We worry that we've got to try harder, do better. We carry the weight of potential failure and potential condemnation in all kinds of parts of our lives. And it affects our soul. It affects the ways that we live and the ways that we see ourselves, the ways that we see others when we live under that constant weight of the potential of failure, the constant weight of condemnation. And so Romans chapter 8 opens with these words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. I mean, what would it look like to live a life where we were able to let go of the fear of failure, let go of the condemnation, let go of the stress that we live under to try to do better and to be better? And so what we're going to see over the course of Romans chapter 8 is that God, uh, that God accepts the burden. He, God, he takes the burden off of us and Jesus gives us the gift of his spirit. So today, I just want to talk to you about what it looks like for us to receive the gift and to release the burden. To receive the gift of God and release the burdens that we all tend to carry, that warp our souls, that call us to live with stress that we don't need to carry. What does it look like to receive the gift of the freedom of the Spirit together? And so we're going to spend seven weeks in Romans chapter 8 and uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is because we've talked over the last four weeks about what it means to be a gospel-centered church and a Spirit-led church, and that is something that Romans 8 just completely knocks out of the park. I mean, it just paints a picture of the beauty of the gospel and how Jesus enters into our story that, that no other passage in Scripture does. So we'll do that. And the other reason is because I just think we have to spend more and more time being told the story of Scripture to dive deep into it, that, that it will tell us a story about who we are, that, that we're not going to get anywhere else in the world. And so I just want to dive deep into Scripture for a season. So I'm excited to do this. So let's hop in. Uh, Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So let's stop there. Anytime that you see the word therefore in Scripture, you should ask, What is therefore therefore? Right? If you've not heard that before, that's pretty. Glad to be the one who said that. Not an original to P.D. Crowder. Uh, and so why, why is therefore there? Uh, and so if you go back, chapters 5 through 7 in Romans are sort of building this case for the ways that we try to, like, we try to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, and yet we are incapable of doing that. And there's one verse I want you to see that really paints that picture. So if you go back, Romans 7, verse 15. Um, a lot of Romans is written in this language that can be a little... Um, a little heavy, a little complicated. Uh, to me, this passage is not heavy and complicated. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He's saying, I, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, and I tend to do it. And that describes a lot of us. That we know the right things and yet we choose to do something else. Or we know what we shouldn't do and we somehow find ourselves doing that thing 
anyways, right? And that is a picture of like the weight of condemnation, the weight that we feel to try to do better and be better, the weight that we feel to carry the burdens of the world on our shoulders. It kind of reminds me of, in Greek mythology, there's the story of Sisyphus. Sisyphus was a king and a trickster, and Sisyphus uh, defeated death or he escaped death twice. And because he had escaped death, Zeus decided to punish him and he, he condemned him to pushing a rock up a hill for the rest of eternity. So he's just pushing the rock up the hill, pushing the rock up the hill. And that's sometimes what life feels like, isn't it? That we are just pushing the burden endlessly up the hill that we are carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders and we can't get it off of us and it's, it's, it just is oppressive to our souls that we are carrying the weight of the world. And so as we go through Romans uh, 8 today, I'll define a few words. One of the words I want to define is the word sin. You see the word sin pop up in this, in this text. And sin, uh, in, in the Bible, in both the Old and the New Testament, sin carries the connotation of an archery term where you miss the mark, that there's something you're meant for, something you're aiming at and you keep missing the mark. You don't hit the target. And so that's sort of what the biblical word means. But in the Old Testament, it would have been like sin was to neglect keeping the law. And then for us, it's probably best to think of sin as putting ourselves at the center of our lives rather than God. So it's a form of selfishness is what sin ends up being. And, and actually, I think sin is a good word for the burden that we carry, Sin is a good word for the burden that we carry, that we put ourselves at the center of our story and then we feel the weight of trying to push the rock up the hill over and over in our lives. It's what Romans 8, it calls it the spirit, or sorry, calls it the law of sin and death, that we try to find life through making ourselves better or doing better or being better. Um, and instead it becomes the law of sin and death. So when you see the word law, we're talking about primarily the Old Testament law. So the Jewish legal code, the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Torah, that's when that's the law becomes shorthand for the Jewish legal expectations that God had rescued the, Egyptian, or the, the, the Israelite people out of Egypt and then he set them up in their promised land and he gave them laws to live by. So that was the law they were meant to live by. And, and what Paul is saying in Romans 8 is the law was meant for life but it became about sin and death because rather than trying to follow the law for the love of God and for the living in the freedom he had given them, it became about them taking the burden on themselves. In fact, um, in the end of the law, in the book called Deuteronomy, there's a passage, uh, there's a guy named Moses. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard of Moses. Moses gives this speech to the Jewish people. They're on the edge of the promised land. They're about to go in. They've been given the law. Here's how to live. He gives them this speech. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. So he gave them the law so that they would hold fast to the God who had rescued them, redeemed them, and set them free. But it actually became not a law of freedom. It became a law of sin and death when they decided to put themselves at the center and to take the burden on themselves. 
And so we only find life not through the law of sin and death through our own flesh. We find life through what he calls the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit that in Christ he gives us his spirit who reminds us who we are. Who are we? We are those who have been set free. So we are able to hold fast to the God who has set us free through the power and the law of the spirit. That Jesus sets us free from constantly carrying the burdens that we take on our shoulders to do better and to be better. How does Jesus set us free? Romans 8 goes on to tell us in verse 3. It says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, because it became about sin and death, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So let's pause there. So, a couple more words to define. One would be the word flesh. You see flesh pop up a couple of times in that text. And the word for flesh was just the word, the Greek word sarx. And sarx literally just kind of meant your physical flesh. And so when using this word, he's talking about how our own bodies become morally corrupt when sin affects all of us. That it's, it's not just a spirit thing. It is our whole lives become uh, corrupted under sin. That we really do need true freedom from our own flesh. So a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of uh, going to North Carolina and speaking at a retreat uh, for families at a church I used to work at. And it was so fun. I got to see um, kids that I hadn't seen since they were little. And now it's been five or six years and they've gotten big and, and just families that I knew and loved. Um, but one of the things that that church liked to give me a hard time about and some of you know, but some of you may not know, is that I, have, uh, I do have tattoos down my arms. And they like to give me a hard time about that. And so in preparation for my coming, they gave all the kids uh, temporary tattoos. And so these are three boys that are just, they're in middle school now, but they were little when I, when I left. And I know their families really well. And it was just, it was, it was a fun way to be greeted. Uh, and and they, were, they were marked like they were P.D. Crowder, right? They were marked like they were me with tattoos. And so if you think about what it means for us to be marked, and what Romans 8 is saying is that uh, before Christ, we were marked as sinful, that we were marked in our flesh as sinful. And then the, so the, the fourth word I want to explain to you is the phrase sin offering, sin offering. So uh, in the Old Testament, there was a sin offering. And think about like a spotless lamb being brought as an offering, a sacrifice to the temple uh, on behalf of the people. So the people were sinful, the lamb was spotless, and the lamb was marked as sinful on behalf of the people and sacrifice. So he says that Jesus becomes that sin offering, that the spotless, sinless Jesus was marked as sinful so that we can no longer be marked as sinful, but be marked as free. He marks us as free. He, he takes the venom out of our flesh. He marks us as, un, it's unnecessary for us to carry the burdens and the condemnations. We are able to live into the freedom that only Christ can bring us. The Spirit marks us free in Christ. And when you've been marked with freedom, 
You live into it. It changes the way you see yourself and see others. It changes your life. We live into the freedom that we've been marked with in Christ, that we can receive the gift of the Spirit from Jesus, and we can release the burden of sin and death, that it would change everything for us, that sin is no longer the thing that marks you. Sin is no longer the thing that marks you. Freedom is what marks you in Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what the next few verses go on to say. Pick back up in verse five. It says, those who live according to the flesh, the ways of sin, have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit in the ways of freedom have their minds set on what the spirit desires into the freedom in Christ. And so uh, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on five through eight because the rest of the chapter will start picking up on that theme. But what, he, what he's trying to say is that, that there was a before where you were condemned in your flesh and there was an after where you were set free in Christ and that before and after should make an appreciable difference. And so much in the same way that, that some of you might have before and after stories, right? Bef- before I started, started running and after I started running or before I had a mustache and now I have a mustache, right? Uh, there's a difference, you can see a difference. Before the Vikings play a big game and after the Vikings play a big game, there's a difference, right? It's noticeable. And he's saying before Christ and after Christ, there should be a noticeable difference because you are now not marked by sin. You are marked by freedom. So theologian and pastor John Stott said that we would surely pursue holiness with greater eagerness if we were convinced it is the way of life and peace. See, there there are many of us who uh, we confess Christ with our lips, but we don't truly trust deep in our souls that he is the way to life and peace. So we, we confess Christ and then we go about trying to do better and be better. We confess Christ and then we put our shoulder back to the rock and try to push it up the hill because we haven't truly believed that he is the way to life and peace, that we have been marked with freedom that makes a difference. Receive the gift and release the burden. Receive the gift and release the burden. Where are you trying to push the rock up the hill? Where do you need the freedom of Christ to just let it go and to rest in him? Where are you trying to push the rock up the hill? And I know it's hard because I, I try to push the rock up the hill every day. I don't like to let it go. I like to do all that I can to, to do better, to try better, to make myself better. But at the end of the day, I need the spirit of the freedom of Christ in me, not my own ability to push the rock up the hill. Where do you need to trust the words of Jesus? Jesus, who tells us this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Mm, Where are we carrying the hard, heavy weight of the burden? Instead, Jesus says, my burden is light, and I set you free. Give it over to Jesus. Stop pushing the rock up the hill. Stop shouldering the burden. Jesus has shouldered it himself. He has taken its power away. 
He's already gotten to the top of the hill so that you don't spend your life trying to redo what Christ has done. Instead, you can live into the freedom that only he can give. The Spirit's presence is in us and it marks us with a freedom that only Christ can bring and it should change us. It should change our lives. If you've ever gone into the wind, either if if you're on a run and you're running into the wind, if you're riding a bike, you're biking into the wind, you imagine an airplane going, you know, one direction against the wind. It takes longer because you're going into the winds. What if, what if we're spending our life going into the wind and we don't know it? What if we're spending our lives going into the wind, fighting against what Christ has for us, and we don't even realize it? And so then, to stop shouldering the burden, to accept the freedom of Christ, would be to turn the other direction, to allow him to turn us the other direction, so that we're able no longer to fight against the wind, but we're actually accessing the power of the Spirit in what Christ has for us every single day. That's my hope for us, is that we're able to stop fighting against the wind and able to turn and to receive the power that only Christ can bring in the freedom of his Spirit that fills us and sends us. I'm gonna call the band to come back up as they get ready to leave us, lead us in our closing song. And I wanna read, um, as they come up, I wanna read over you This is the message translation of uh, verses one and two of Romans eight. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Release the burden of condemnation. Receive the free gift of the Spirit in Christ. Amen.